There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense says they don't know which type of weapons, strategic or tactical nuclear weapons, have been moved to Belarus. But listen, the important thing to understand is that it doesn't matter. These are weapons that are capable of striking, you know, across thousands of miles. Yuri Sack is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. The fact that they are now in Belarus makes no difference for all of us because these are the same nuclear weapons controlled by the same terrorist state, Russia. And the fact that they're in Belarus doesn't change anything. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminal. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Another week, another twist. There have been lots of new developments in the war on Ukraine, and joining us to talk about all of them is Yuri Sack, advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. Yuri, uh, there's been some new images of the Novokokovka Dam that, without a doubt, spell out what happened there. I'm sure you've seen these images or perhaps heard about them, but what can you tell us about these images? Well, look, for us, um, JJ, these images don't tell anything new. I mean, we knew from the very start that this is a terrorist act by the Russians. They've been planning it. They've uh, been preparing for it and uh, they did it. So uh, the new evidence comes up and I think that's that's not you know the end of it because I'm sure as time goes by, you know uh, I think after we liberate uh, Kherson region and we gain access to it, we will uh, I think find more evidence you know of, of the actual because it's it's not possible to hide uh, the traces of such an explosions as you can understand. I mean even centuries after it would be possible to identify uh, and to compellingly prove that it was uh, an explosion that was carried out by Russians by planting uh, hundreds of kilograms of explosive materials into uh, the Kakhovka Dam. So either inside or uh, if you're referring to the image that was published by Associated Press of that vehicle standing next to it, I mean, uh, I can only tell that this is probably... uh, not probably most likely if it, if it's the case it was just part of the uh, explosive because there was much more explosives as you can understand because the dam was built in the soviet era to withstand uh, you know almost nuclear strikes so uh, it would not be possible to 
damage it to the extent that it was damaged just by a couple of barrels of explosives uh, put on the outside. So, yeah, but it's nothing new for us. What what is what is horrifying is that Russians are still refusing access to international organizations uh, when it comes to access to the areas that have been flooded. And we're getting reports that there could be hundreds of people in, uh, for example, in um, uh, Oleshki, which is next to uh, Kakhovka Dam, right? So it's some of the villages uh, because Russians have not done any evacuations because they're terrorists. They, they blew up the dam and they left people uh, to their own, uh, you know, uh, fate. Yeah, so um, what are your latest uh, casualty figures in terms of people who have been left by by the Russians or people who've been killed on the Ukrainian side? Well, all of it's Ukraine, but the Ukraine-controlled side, I should say. Um, yeah. what, what are your what are your casualty figures telling you? Well, the official statistics that we have by now is uh, that as a result of blowing up on the Kokodem on the Ukrainian-controlled territory, there were sixteen people uh, that were killed. So, uh, from these sixteen, twelve um, have died as a result of drowning and four were shot dead by Russians. As you remember that incident when we were trying to evacuate people from the Russian controlled part of uh, the Kherson region and they were shooting them in the backs. So uh, this is tragedy. As for as for the casualties on uh, the Russian controlled territory, we don't have uh, access to this territory. So of course we can just rely on uh, certain unconfirmed information, but it's hundreds of hundreds of people apparently. It's remarkable that more, not more people are dead already. It's miraculous, frankly, when you look at this, the, the amount of water that was let out of that place. But um, it's still early to talk about that, I understand, because, you know, there's a lot more heartache and heartbreak to come because of this disaster over time, because of the impact on the 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 the, the biosphere, because of its impact on the ecology there and, and and water and and many other things and not allowing humanitarian organizations to come in is only going to exacerbate this is that not right it is right the long-term impact of this disaster uh will still have to be assessed but for now um, our authorities um, say that the damage that was done to the environment to the uh, to people, to the housing uh, stock, it was uh, the damage is about 10 billion US dollars. So it's a very considerable amount, let alone the actual dam, right? We are on a daily basis, JJ, we're getting images of the actual Kachovka reservoir because it's dried up now. So, you know, uh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of fish dead, right? The, the, uh, there is infection in the water. Uh, for example, our authorities have uh, strictly prohibited now people to uh, swim in Dnipro River and to swim even in uh, in the Black Sea where the Dnipro River falls into Black Sea because it's been infected and it needs to be, it will take some time for this to go away. But, you know, you think about it, uh, Kherson, which is south of Ukraine, has always been a very, very important agricultural part of our country. Now, the agricultural season is ruined, right? And and this means like that grain, wheat, sunflower oil, all the stuff that we're growing, there will be less of it. And this means that the international community, like countries in Africa, for example, who are relying on our 
agricultural products, they will be in trouble. So this is why we keep repeating. This is not affecting just Ukraine. It has a knock-on effect on so many other countries around the world, let alone the actual threats of these terrorists. You know, when it got, they, they continue to blackmail the international community with nuclear weapons, as you've seen, they've deployed nuclear weapons in uh, Belarus. So it's yeah. it's yeah. So I want to ask you about those nuclear weapons in Belarus. Um, the leader of Belarus said last week that these nuclear weapons are three times more powerful than those that were uh, essentially de deployed or used against uh, Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I, I don't know um, if they if that's if they were the same group grouping because it's my understanding that what Russia most likely moved to. Belarus were tactical nuclear weapons. And uh, I'm just wondering, what, what's your sense of um, what it is that Belarus has? Uh, well, first of all, we don't have the actual confirmed information now about what type of nuclear weapons have been moved. But listen, the important thing to understand is that it doesn't matter. It is, you know, these are weapons that are capable of striking, you know, across thousands of miles. So, the fact that they are now in Belarus makes no difference for all of us because these are the same nuclear weapons controlled by the same terrorist state, Russia. And the fact that they're in Belarus doesn't change anything. They could, you know, they could have they could launch them with the same success from, from where they have been before they were moved to Belarus. So it doesn't matter. It's it's just uh it's another PR move uh in Putin's uh effort to weaponize the fear of the West. You know, he's like moving these weapons there to, to, to prove what? Like all experts understand that this is not something that, you know, is short range. Uh, so it, it, it's irrelevant. The fact that they are in Belarus is irrelevant. Belarus will never have any control of those weapons. So these are the same Russian nukes, you know, controlled by the same Russian terrorists. Do any of your teammates get the sense that this is... Um a uh, pre prerequisite or maybe a, a move that's designed to um, create uh, some kind of uh, planned attack on Kiev? Well, what we understand is happening is uh, Russia wants to stop the West from supporting Ukraine militarily. And they are using everything from their playbook, you know, all the blackmail tactics uh, to weaponize the fear of the West in order to stop the provision of military assistance to Ukraine. Now, both us as well as our partners understand that the likelihood of Russia actually using the nukes is very small because it's it, it just doesn't make any sense militarily. They've been warned about the catastrophic consequences if they do it by the United States of America, by all the other G7 countries, by even China and India. So... Um, but at the same time, we, you know, when a crazy country like Russia has nuclear weapons, there is always an odd chance that sooner or later they can use them. And, you know, they keep ramping up this rhetoric. And this is, of course, you know, this disconcerting a little bit. I can see why. One last thing I'd like to ask you. Um, I know it's late there, but there was yes, a I saw today with some video um, of a tank exploding. And it looked as if this tank, based on some of the reporting that I heard from some other media, 
It looked as if it was remote controlled or robotic and it exploded. I mean, it was a tremendous explosion. And some there was some commentary suggesting that this tank was basically designed to try to plow through Ukraine's one of Ukraine's lines uh, and the military's lines and um, basically kill as many people as possible. And I know you've talked about this and their tactics many occasions, and this most likely was uh, another of those. But um, were you able to, to see this and what do you make of it? Well, look, we are, you know, gradually moving forward and we are destroying Russians, both manpower as well as their military equipment, tens of tanks, uh, artillery systems, uh, armored vehicles on a daily basis. Now, the fact I honestly, I haven't seen that video you're referring to, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they they continue to uh, use these meat grinder tactics. They use their soldiers cannon fodder and. Uh, this is why we just keep telling them, look, if you want to live, so surrender, because that's the only chance that you have. Makes good sense. Unfortunately, it, it appears as though Russia's leaders aren't listening or maybe don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and, and I don't know if well. not understand it. It's just not listening. But Yuri Sack, advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense, thank you. Anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about? Well, maybe just that, uh, you know, very soon there will be a Vilnius uh, summit, of Na- summit, summit of NATO countries. And uh, we really hope that during that summit, uh, the members of NATO alliance will make it very clear. Look, we understand that Ukraine cannot become a full member, full-fledged member before this war is over before we win this war. But at the same time, we hope that the members of NATO, and this has been kind of confirmed already by the uh, Secretary General of NATO, uh, Mr. Stoltenberg today, that the NATO will send a very clear signal, including to Russia, that Ukraine's future is with NATO because de facto, Ukraine already is a member of NATO because we are fighting for the values. Look, NATO was created to fight Russia. Now we are fighting Russia, so that makes us NATO, right? Um, so in that respect, in that respect, we are hopeful that this will be another milestone in terms of building the international coalition, in, uh, you know, building up our uh, security guarantees, and this will send a signal to Russia that they will lose this war. It's an unwinnable war for them. Yuri Sack, thank you, Yuri. Thank you, thank you, JJ, as always. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Whether it's terrorist, anarchist, cyber criminals, or nation states, America and its allies have targets on them. And we'll be back in our next edition with a look at another national and international security story. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, 
you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.